You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Carissa Dunphy, ABOC. Carissa spent about 14 years in clinical practice, first at the front desk, moving into roles as a technician and optician. And in that time, she really put her marketing skills to great use and now is on the marketing team at PECA. Carissa, let's talk a little bit about the role that opticians can play in a practice, really the the important bridge that they play between the exam room and the the lasting experience that, that patients have. I think it's a valuable thing to address, so I'm glad we can talk about this. Um, opticians can sometimes be, you know, the first person that a patient runs into in the door. You know, a lot of times it's a front desk also, but we're out on the floor and out and about all day. Um, but we are the definitely the last point of contact. Um, so I always have approached it with the sense of, you know, this is the last thing that they're going to hear or the last person they're going to talk to before they leave the door. Uh, you know, they may not come back for a year if they didn't get glasses, those sorts of things. So how can you naturally <laughs> close the conversation without it being weird or a sales pitch um, to keep it memorable and a good experience? And, you know, hopefully that can translate into a review online um, or scheduling additional family members, all kinds of opportunities there. But So it's interesting because you've just described the role of the optician almost as a marketing representative in a way. Um, and that may not be the traditional way that people look at the role. I mean, so obviously there's a, there's a clinical component to it, and there's this continuation of the patient experience there too. If you look at it from that perspective, you could potentially change their exit, leave them with a good taste and a good feel, and maybe they'll come back sooner. And um, so there's a lot of ways we can do that. Well, let's talk about some of those ways. Uh, what... How, how do you make a connection meaningful with patients? I think the first thing is definitely listening to the patient and what they actually are saying. You know, you don't want to just make the sale and get them out of there and get done and process the order and you're done with it. You want to listen to what they have to say. You know, they may have mentioned, uh, you know, these glasses are for the summer when their so-and-so is getting married and they needed uh, photochromic lenses. So something that you could say at that point would be, you know, before you leave for your trip, make sure you come get these adjusted so that they're straight in all your pictures, you know, all the screws are tight, those sorts of things. Um, So it's an easy way to relate to them, to be human, for them to know that you're listening, but also for them to come back. Another element where there's probably clearly patient confusion is in what their benefits are. How, how important a role does the optician play there? Um, it's huge. And, you know, that takes time to master that. And then, you know, a plan changes and then an employer changes who they're using and all that stuff. Um, but I think being able to fully understand an insurance plan and then translating it into understandable terms for the patient um, so that they can apply it properly. You know, some of them are our calendar year, some of them are a certain date, some of them are three pairs plus a safety pair plus this, and their kids' benefits are now different because they're under 18. 
So just having them be aware of it can allow them to keep it in their mind to fully utilize all of their benefits that they have. Because they don't know. We're, you know, we're the experts. That's some, not, I wouldn't say that's something that a normal human would know. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes a big difference to them. Definitely. Yeah. So if you know that it's calendar year or, you know, there's a lot of plans that renew uh, fiscal years. So like July 1st, um, that that's not a standard renewal. So if, if they're coming in in June, you know, by happenstance, then you could sell them two pairs and say, you know, this renews in three weeks. Do you want to look for a second pair while you're here? And I'll just wait to process it, you know, since it renews. Or you can pick a second pair when you come pick these up because your benefits will have renewed by then. That's, that's really smart. And I bet they feel great. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're like, oh, I never thought of that. Or, you know, especially in the winter, but also the summer, that second pair could be a pair of sunglasses. I still find that not as many consumers as we would hope as eye care professionals know that prescription sunglasses are something that they can do or that's something that their insurance is billable for. Carissa, are there ways that optometrists can leverage the, the skills and expertise of opticians to, to maximize what they can contribute? I mean, do you see places where opticians are sort of routinely underused, I'll say? I would say that's a good way to put it. Um, we have limitless potential and like I said, giving the patient the last bit of information since we're the last person to see them in the practice. So the more we know as opticians, the more we can um, give to that patient, which can then in turn, you know, be returned to the practice in some way. Um, so the more opticians feel valued, the more they're invested in, the more they'll give back and help the practice as a whole. You know, it's one of those sort of circle of life types of things. Um, so, you know, one of the things is sometimes you're alone in your practice and you're remote, um, you know, you don't have a lot of networking options. So I always encourage, you know, meeting other opticians and other people that are in situations like yours or just industry people in general, because you can learn and you'll learn all these little things that really do make you more a valuable optician. I mean, how, how does an optician find these resources if, uh, you know, because days are busy, right? You don't necessarily have the chance in maybe in a regular workday, unless you create the time for it to, um, to, to find these resources or build that network. Most definitely. I mean, I certainly understand how busy any clinician is. I mean, you can really find time to go to the bathroom some days. Um, but I do encourage, you know, to take a little bit of time and everybody's different. What may be working for someone may not work for somebody else. Um, so on my website, for example, I have interviews with opticians that provide experience. Those opticians, if you reach out to them, they're happy to, to talk with you and to network with you and help anybody. They're very open to those things. Um, there's also, you know, like I'm a big huge supporter of the Optical Women's Association um, because it has opened my eyes to so much more of the industry. There's so much more than you could ever imagine. And the people that I've met through that, I would have never met otherwise. There's absolutely no way I would have 
talk with these people and the lessons I've learned and the things that I've been taught just by being a part of the organization is, you know, invaluable. You know, sometimes it's also just little things like other healthcare professionals in your community. Um, One practice I worked in was in a really small community. It was really tight knit and like, there's no way to, there's no answer in a book on how to market that sort of thing because it's such a unique community. Mm -hmm. Yet I found, you know, the pharmacist in town and the school nurse and those types of people um, can relate. And we work together and sort of form, you know, a mini, you know, brain group. <laughs> that's an that's an interesting point, because that that sounds like it was initiative really on, on your part to to make those connections. Um, how can ODs support that for their opticians? The optician and the OD needs to be on the same page. You know, communication is key. So if the OD knows what the optician is looking for, um, even if they're unable to help because they're busy on their own, you know, just the fact that they're supported and I'll help you if you find something or let me know or, um, you know, can I come in half an hour late because I want to attend this thing online that's a great, a great resource or um Whatever it may be, um, I think communication is just the number one thing. You mentioned your website, so let's let's go back to that. that t- tell us about Optician Now. Yeah, Optician Now, I created it just to be a resource hub for opticians. And we know that opticians wear 42 hats all of the time, every day. And so I try to encompass everything, but it's a lot. So it's everything from study materials for licensure and certification to um, buying groups to podcasts to just everything that you can learn from. I've been collecting resources for many years, so I try to get them all on there. And I only recommend things that I trust in and know work. Um, so they're almost pre-vetted. In this time where there is so much online competition for eyewear for even for for eye care services how can an optician help differentiate the practice Um, you know when a patient comes into your office they're going to remember the experience so you have to be good at what you're doing and be in the moment with that patient and listen to them and see what they need. And I get it. It's busy. We have lines of people and things are hectic and you're short staffed. And sometimes when you're busy, you can turn that into a positive. You know, the patients see you're bustling and you're popular and you're making a lot of sales and they want to get in on that. Mm -hmm. So there's ways, you know, to spin things to make it memorable in a good way. And if someone comes to you for the first time, that's a whole new opportunity. They used to go somewhere else and they're not there for a reason. So now is your chance to get that patient to come back to you. Um, So really listen to them. You know, why are they here? There's a reason. They didn't like the lenses from the last place or the hours weren't good or whatever it was. You know, this is your chance to obtain that and even though we see these people, you know, maybe once a year only, you slowly build that up and you you gain it. And then the word of mouth is the biggest tool. They tell somebody at their church or at their kid's soccer team or whatnot, or someone compliments their glasses. Um, you know, sometimes people will come in and say, um, I saw this 
one brand in this one color of these glasses and they told me they got them here. I want that same pair. They're, right. they're here. They're in the door. So now's your chance. And I guess the flip side of that is, you know, how do you not take it personally if somebody decides to, to shop elsewhere? I mean, how, how do you kind of a- approach that situation where you know somebody's asking for their prescription, but how do you, how do you kind of leverage the, the service that you provide? Um, and that's exactly it. It's the service. I know I'm going to give them phenomenal service. I don't know what the other person may give them that they're going to go to. So I say, you know, here is your prescription. It's their legal right. You can't be weird about it or, you know, give them any trouble. Um, but you say, if you're going to look around, make sure you consider, you know, the warranty of the frame, the warranty of the lenses. Um, if they're going to charge you, if you use your own frame and you don't get a new frame, all these little things. Um, if, if it's too far away for you to go back and have them adjusted there, you can always bring it here for adjustments. You know, just those sort of open-ended warmth where you're not cutting them off leaves them leaving with the feeling of they're still going to help me. And, you know, a lot of times I would write down, you know, this is the frame that you were interested in. Here's what it would cost you. Why don't you take this with you? You can think about it. I'll write it down also. And I can't tell you how many times that person just calls and says, you know, that one we wrote down, wrote down, I just want to go ahead and order that with you. Can I get that done? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure. And then I have them pay over the phone and it's done. And it's because I didn't cut them off immediately when they said they were going to look around. Right. You didn't make it awkward. Mm -hmm. You know, nearby, if someone has the same brand of frame, the prices are going to be pretty similar if it's the exact same frame. A lot of people look for one specific thing. So if the price is the same, obviously they came to us already, their prescriptions on file with us, we're closer to home, we were nicer, whatever it may be, um, we made it easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. like a website, you want the least amount of clicks so they can buy something. It's the same thing with an in-person experience. You want to provide no walls or barriers for them to, to discourage them from buying from you. Right. And that's on the on the the back end too, you know, even if you know that they're going to go out and go shop around for, for a different frame, you're, yeah, you're I mean, still think making about it. yourself. You, we shop, we do the same thing. So everybody else can too. So how important is it to the patient that, that, you know, that opticians know the story behind brands, because there's so many different stories right now with, with so many of these brands too. Um, sustainability, uh, charity, um, you know, all, all kinds of, of ideas that really presumably would resonate with patients if they, if they knew about it. Some of them are drawn to that. You know, they come in knowing that they don't want this and they don't want this. So they only want to look at this, you know, these three remaining brands that fall into that criteria and that's fine. Um, some patients, you know, narrow it down to two or three frames and then they ask a little bit more about each of those brands. And then they decide because this one for every frame purchase, they donate a frame to someone who needs it. Um, Those sorts of things. There's a lot of sustainability right now. There's a lot more of, um, you know, glasses being made with recycled water bottles. Um, There's one that uses castor beans. There's some that are, you know, some are made out of records. Some are made out of used skateboards. There's like so many different things that are really cool Um, so depending on where your practice falls and how your patient base is, you know, that could vary because not everybody's going to want recycled skateboards. They may want, you know, 
these other things instead. Um, but it it's definitely becoming more prevalent in our industry as well as um, the bags that the frames come in and the cases that we dispense to our patients, you know, all the way down to that. And then even with contact lenses, I found a huge marketing opportunity with the Bausch & Lohm um, TerraCycle one-by-one program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially since more people are wearing daily contacts, the blister packs, the bubble and the foil can all be recycled and the contact lens. Um, but those are something that they can see and it's tangible and they can see the amount of waste that they're creating. You know, a frame, you just see the end result. But a contact lens, right. you know, they build up every day and then they come in with this bag and they mm-hmm. get to dump it in the bin and the way that the program is set up, you know, it's being done correctly and it's at no cost to the practice, um, but it can bring people in the door, you know, especially if you have a parent and a child or, you know, a a household of six and they all wear dailies, you know, that adds up tremendously. Mm -hmm. And that for us was a big marketing opportunity because then they came in every, how often, every couple of weeks or whatnot to drop them off. It's also kind of cool. (laughs) And and they're interesting stories to hear, too, right? Even if I might personally not be looking for a frame that comes from uh, recycled skateboards, it's it's cool to know that that can that happens. (laughs) It is. It's very cool. And they're coming up with different things to repurpose. So I'm sure there's going to be some wacky ones. Uh, You know, there's hemp eyewear. I thought there was, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to be reused um clothing and denim and it's nice that things are being repurposed it is carissa how many frames do you own i can honestly say i have no idea i have like uh sections in my house that are like the current rotation the backup rotation the summer rotation like i have different areas of things (laughs) So more than 20. Probably. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. So, so, I mean, that gives you um, a level of expertise, you know, what's comfortable, you know, what uh, lasts, you know, you know how to judge eyewear when you, when you pick it up. Yes. And everybody who wears glasses, I can tell you has bought a pair at one point that fit terribly but it was cute and they regret it and they hate it and they don't want to wear it Mm -hmm. so whenever I get a patient that they're down to two pairs and they can't decide I'm like pick the more comfortable one that's the answer hands down um but yes having so many pairs I have tested a lot of different things you know I don't encourage opticians to ask for free things from their reps because you know they're running a business and they have quotas and such but if you do have the opportunity to to try things, you can turn it into feedback to help the patient decide. Um, You know, testing coatings, there are definitely some coatings I would hands down recommend and some that I would not. Um, Based on my own experience, you know, working at a desk with occupational, I can tell you how invaluable they are and some have better blends than others and bigger, you know, wobbly spots than others. So you can say those sorts of things. You know, Mm -hmm. when I first started out, somebody would say to me, well, I'm not sure if I need progressives. How do you feel about that? How do you like your progressives? And I was like, 
Well, I won't need progressives. I don't, I've never tried progressives. Age has worked with me in my career. I have tried progressives now. I know how they work. I can give feedback. Um, so I'm spinning that as a positive light. Um, but, but at the time I would say, hey, you know, I haven't worn them. This person right next to me, my optician has. Let me ask her real quick. Right. Um, so I don't just say no. Um, yeah. But those types of things, you know, we had uh, one employee who had a Plano prescription of an occupational um, blended computer lens so that everybody could try it on and see how it works because a lot of people can't grasp the concept. Um, and so people would put them on and every time it would convert to a sale. Mm. Interesting. They could see it. They could try it. Okay, this makes sense. I understand it. I think this would work. Right. And so it's it's certainly a, a combination of, of your own experience, of your colleagues' experience, and even of paying attention, right? I mean, if you, if you keep seeing a certain coding coming back, patients coming back saying, yeah, it's or whatever, then you, you have that experience too. Yeah, I, I definitely saw that when um, blue light anti-glare coatings were first introduced to the market when they were brand new, they were too blue and too purple and people were, were scared of them and there was a lot of non-adapts. Um, but hearing from people too, you know, our reps are invaluable in providing us information. So if you don't know something, ask your rep. They have so many accounts with so many experiences that people tell them about, you know, mm -hmm. what has worked for this region, that sort of thing, or what is your sales data show? that sort of thing. You know, it's not just about our, our office. We can utilize the bigger scale of things too. ask your rep. They're happy to help. So what I'm hearing you describe is the optician's personal knowledge, their, their education and skills, and this entire network that they've developed that, that can all help in building the, the, uh, the eye care business. Most definitely. And it goes with the same with um, not only lens reps, but frame reps too. You know, mm -hmm. if you meet with them and you listen to them about their products, you know, this new plastic is 30% lighter than the old one. It looks the same. It's the same color. It's the same price point, 30% lighter. So, you, you know, you remember those little things. I don't know about all opticians, but I love when doctors teach me stuff. That's like the cool, the super cool things. Mm -hmm. And it, in turn, comes around to helping patients. So you will, in some way, be able to relate that to a patient that you help in the future. Carissa Dunphy, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and the, the guidance. Thanks so much for having me. I always take an opportunity to help opticians grow and learn their full potential. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.